Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. My name is Oscar Brummel. Today my guest is the king of wild, absurd, violent British noise. He lives in France. Please welcome Andy Bolas of Evil Moisture. Hi there. Hey, Andy. Hi. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm all right. Um... Had a pretty busy weekend. Uh, went to see some friends playing in Paris, and uh, so I'm sort of recovering from that. But yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I was totally unaware of the fact that you lived in France because I very much associate you with with England. Just just sure. from your from your work. I mean, I knew you're British, but I didn't realize you were. I didn't realize you were in France. So. Um, yeah, I moved here. Almost 25 years ago, um, on a kind of on a whim, like I just thought, why not? I was kind of getting a bit sick of England for many reasons, and and I had some friends in Paris already, and I just thought, just thought, why not? Like I used to have this idea when I was kind of a teenager uh, that I wanted to. I always knew I wanted to travel, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go more and more south, and kind of. So, like, the logical next stop from, like, Brighton was, was where I was living before, mm-hmm. was Par- is Paris. And then mm-hmm. I, was, I was planning on, like, moving around the planet slowly. And then yeah. by the time I'm, like, 80 years old, I'd be, like, back in England again, you know? Yeah. But I got kind of stuck here for various stuck reasons. Stuck in France. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't regret it at all. It was, a, it was probably the best decision I made in my life, actually. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Especially if you see the state of the UK right now is right pretty screwed. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so, um, can you start off by telling me about the origins of Evil Moisture? Mm. Well, um, where to start with that? Well, I originally like had this idea that I think I got from the Butthole Surfers. Um, where they they had this idea that they would change the name of the band for every show and every release. And I kind of started off with this idea and I was going to start a band that began with E and it was going to, it would be like something, you know, like Enema or something or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> but then I realized that no one will, would really book you if you, if you change the name <laughs> all the time, you know, and no one's going to buy it, buy it. Cause yeah. 
no one's going to know. Well, no, I don't know. Nowadays, maybe they would, but um, it could have worked. Yeah. I mean, there. First thing that comes to mind is um, like Yellow Swans, for example. Right. They, they always were. Um, what was it? D Yellow Swans. I'm blanking out, but they always had like a different, a different D word at the beginning of the name. Okay. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they had D and they had D. I and think it was. D, I'm bl- I haven't thought about it in years, but I think it was like D yellow swans. So it was like dead yellow swans, divorced mm. yellow swans. You know, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But well, it's yeah. a bit like it's a bit like all the. I mean, that that kind of led me on more recently to uh, the idea that I guess I kind of took from John Olson's label American Tapes, where he just. Um, you know, like you make a different title for the LP, so why not make a different band name for the band yeah. as well? You know, yeah. yeah. So Amer- an American text is, you know, he's got so many side projects. If you look on his his discogs, it's like that many. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that kind of inspired me a bit. It kind of freed me up a bit to do, like on my more recent label, Royal Sperm. Yeah. To do do things that were just like nobody knows who made it and right. <clears throat> or like compilations, but it's actually only my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. I, I like, I love that approach. And of course, yeah. you have to bite the bullet a little bit because, you know, you're less destined for stardom. That right, way, but, but that's a good that, thing, isn't it? As well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Evil Moisture was the first one. Did you have any names before? Evil well, Moisture. It started, you, as, run it, started names? Just, it started off just E for the first two okay. sets. But I wouldn't really consider them to be like evil moisture. I don't know. One of them's like all done on a Commodore Amiga, so it's kind of a bit different. And the other one was more like sort of tape experiments and stuff. But um, I was in some before that. I was in some kind of stupid bands in in you know high high school, as you call it. Um, I was in a band. I mean, I was in a. I guess the first kind of proper band was this band called Slack Bladder, mm-hmm. which is a really bad name, but um, <laughs> with a good friend of mine, Martin Crook from England, um, who I kind of recently got back in touch with, and he's building guitars and things nowadays, but um, mm-hmm. it was kind of inspired by, I don't know, we were really into like the Swans and Big Black mm-hmm. and Throbbing Gristle, and we did these, did like three or four gigs with like TVs with like war fo- war footage mixed with porn and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know, just kind of fun, kind of adolescent stuff. So sure, yeah. Um, so we did a few. We released a couple of tapes, but there's probably okay. you know three people in the world who've got them. But okay, so that was pre evil moisture. But then when when it started really developing into the noise project that it is now, when did that happen? Uh, that was about 91, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not so good with the dates, but I think it was 91 sure. or 92. Um, the thing that sort of changed my life was uh, ordering a big box of stuff from Ron Lassard, you know, RRR. Yeah. So, yeah. And I got this huge box. There was like Hanatarash 2 LP, which really blew my mind. And like uh, Mertzbau swimming behavior of the human infant collaboration lp which is still one of my favorite albums of all time cool and um 
and I and I just got, had this like crappy reel to reel. Like I bought it in a junk shop, and and I was like, okay, this is this is <laughs> this is the shit, you know, and yeah, and just started like cutting tape splicing tape like that and just trying to make crazy cut-ups and things yeah. like that and that was like the the yearn flowers cassette was really the first one yeah cool yeah. that's a very cool i mean that was that your debut yeah pretty much as evil moisture yeah 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 that's a cool tape that's a really good one it's probably the best thing i've ever done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what so starting Starting out in the 90s, and you know, everyone kind of refers to this as the golden age of harsh noise. Do you feel like it required more devotion at that time to get involved in in the noise scene in the noise underground? Um, well, as I'm sure a lot of people have said, it was different because there wasn't the internet and everything, so right. um, it was a m more of a sort of a male art thing like a social thing as well you know it was yeah you know you know like like banana fish magazine was really important for me because they had all the, he had all the addresses in the back and, mm. and like nd and some other zines as well so it was like who the fuck is this in japan you know so just i don't know write cool. to them or send them a tape and stuff like that and you know it was back in the day when it was exciting to, to check the mailbox you know rather than right. just getting bills and stuff and Right, <laughs> unexpected, unexpected noise packages and letters. I yeah, 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 and yeah. I mean, the same for me. You know, I got. It wasn't just one way. It was like people found my address and they were like sending me stuff. And cool. Um, a bit later on, I was sharing a house with uh, with Dylan and Dylan and Karen from Chocolate Monk. You know. Right. And, um, okay. And we had, you know, it used to be like a race to. To run to the mailbox in the morning, you know. <laughs> it's like no, it's mine. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that must have been fun times. Yeah, it was. It was cool. But um, yeah, about the nineties. I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, because I went to Japan in like uh, <clears throat> when was it? Like ninety-seven, mm. and that was when Japanese noise was really booming. I was really lucky to get invited there. I did like an exhibition there and. Cool. Played some shows and uh, and that was yeah and saw a lot of Japanese. I mean, man, like at that time, like a, a friend of a friend had a whole floor of Tower Records in Shibuya, Tokyo, mm -hmm. and and he could do what he wanted with it, and oh. and he made it look like Japanese noise was like pop music or something like that. Wow! Like there was a I remember like this life size cut out of. Uh, Maso Yamazaki, you know, Masona. Yeah. Uh, like a kind of manga style cardboard wow. cut out of him with like a CD, and it was like new CD on Alchemy Records. Wow. And I believed it. I thought, oh, wow, these, you know, Japanese people are crazy. Like they love <laughs> noise in the same way that they like, you know, J pop or something. Wow. And of course it wasn't true. It was like a joke, but I, I That's felt amazing. <laughs> Do you have any photos of that time? A few, oh, yeah, not many, because I had this kind of crappy disposable camera. I don't know, not many, but... Wow, that's amazing. But I saw, saw a lot of good shows there, yeah. But, yeah. And you played there as well? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the first gig was in uh, Uplink Factory, which used to be in Shibuya also. 
but I think they closed down. But um, yeah, I did. A, I projected some video work of mine and did a gig that was like I was kind of inspired by the Masona thing of like playing really short. Mm-hmm. So the first gig was like I don't know three minutes or something. But it was really at a time when you could go to Japan and just like stand on stage and do nothing, and it, and it, it's like, oh, this guy's the new thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose maybe even more if you're a foreigner. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and then it's difficult to kind of keep the upward curve after you know because after you know a week or so of doing gigs, they they want the ne- they wanted the next new thing, you know? So sure. The, the, sure. The, sure. The next new guy. But, no, it was really fun. I mean, I was kind of spoiled by. I mean, it was at a time when the Japanese economy was really booming, yeah. and um, so you know, all the street fashion was really crazy as well. And um, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. What was it like working with labels back in those days? Um, you know pre-internet like you know nowadays i guess working with a label you have the chance to do so much back and forth email messaging sending pictures sending tests sending you know oh check this mix check this mix you know there's there's so much possibility for a quick yeah yeah it's very fast these days it's very fast and there's so much possibility for quick uh, correspondence Mm -hmm. um whereas back then i suppose letters took a while to get to each other was what was the what yeah, was the exchange I mean, I like? Yeah, I mean, I remember with the the collaboration I did with Macronympha on Pure. Yeah. This uh, Tentacles of the Octopus, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really time-consuming because it would be like, you know, I'd send, like, a cassette with, like, a rough mix, and then Joe Roma would send me a postcard, like, three or four days later saying, nah, I don't really like that one. Mm. Kind of. Can you put that a bit louder? Or <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of that. Whereas nowadays, it's yeah, you can just do that in a in an instant on you know on social yeah. media or e- email or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of more exciting, like that. You know, it was more more fun, really. You know. Yeah, I was gonna wa- I was gonna ask. Do you think Do you think working bonds were closer back then? Sorry, what do you mean? Do you think like working working relationships or, or bonds between either artists working together or, or artists and labels were maybe closer than they are nowadays? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think it was more special. Like you, you decided to collaborate with someone and this felt more important. Whereas nowadays, um, no disrespect to some some friends of mine, but they seem to be doing a new, a new split CD or a new collaboration every every three days or something and it's mm-hmm. it's you know i mean it's good and bad but yeah but back then I've, i mean i think it's bad for the like the quality of the releases maybe because you know when i mean that like that pure cd with macronympho i spent i made i spent so long working on it you know and this is also not not working on a computer as well that's another side of it that it wasn't you know just editing in uh audition or whatever mm-hmm. it's like uh it's all you know tape cut-ups or you know on cassette and stuff like that i don't know i mean like i remember doing a thing with rudolph aber mm-hmm. 
and uh, on um what was it called genital grinder this greek label mm, I and, don't know. Um, it was like a four-way collaboration with like tom cox uh, tac i think he was called mm-hmm. uh, factor x Ranzelstone, Gurglestock, mm-hmm. Eagle Moisture. Mm-hmm. And, and it was mostly me and Rudolph who were doing all the editing. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, tapes getting sent back and forth in the mail uh, three or four times, I think. And, you know, also the quality of the recordings were getting worse and worse every sure. generation, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, kind yeah. of has a certain charm as well. But yeah. um, but I remember one time... I. I, Rudolf sent me his new mix of it. I copied it all onto Revox, reel to reel. Uh huh. And then, and I was like, for some reason, I was really pissed off that the the there was some kind of hiss in the silences, yeah. in in the gaps between the tracks. Right. So I re-edited it with like leader tape. Yeah. Like blank, like plastic tape with no wow magnetic stuff on wow. it. Wow. And copied it onto a cassette and sent it back to Rudolph, and he was like, "That's exactly the same as." <laughs> as like, <laughs> so it was a total waste of time. Actually, like, he didn't understand <laughs> that I'd removed the silence, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, I think people back then took more care about what they released, and they didn't kind of churn things out, but. I don't know, some people can do it. You know, like talking about John Olson again, you yeah. know, he, he's good at doing that kind of thing. Just it's like a diary or something. He just Right. Like, yeah. And you know, like I remember a, a friend of mine in Paris bought a cassette of John and <laughs> and he complained to John like it was like this it was like a spikes tape, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh and it was pretty much just like he just left the tape machine running. There's like the neighbor's dog barking outside occasionally, and then sometimes just came back in the room and just so there's like or something occasionally, and my friend complained about it and said it was it wasn't copied right or something like that. Uh And John said, "Okay, we'll send it back, and I'll send you a copy back." And he sent it back, and it was exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, some people can do it, and but some people just I think it. All the computer stuff kind of made people a bit lazy about. It. Some people were a bit lazy about it. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Yeah, wrong. it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if that's always the case, but you have so much more possibility for powerful creation with the computers and everything like that now. Sure. But mm. I feel like at the same time you get much less um, complex work, at least. You know, and I when I've been listening to your stuff in this past few days, um, well, I wanted, you know, I'm going to ask you later about the technical stuff and kind of more about that. But I mean, I was listening to some things and all the cuts and I was just wondering, are you doing this analog? Are you doing this played live? Are you using software for these? I mean, older tapes from, I guess I forget what I was listening to, but I mean, I guess I'm assuming for the fact that a lot of these earlier tapes and, and releases, at least you were doing all analog, which, yeah, is very very arduous and very very time consuming. Mm. It requires a lot of thinking also, and not just, you know, doing. It requires also a lot of planning, a lot of a lot of consciousness. Um, whereas nowadays, with the with the software we have, which I love, you can really make really complex things very easily. But mm. I feel like less people are doing it. 
Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, well, that's a bit like the whole argument that, um, you know, now, now it's easier to communicate with everyone all over the world. Nobody's actually doing much, you know? Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, for sure. Um, but I used to really enjoy the process of, um, I don't know, even making a, making a tape for me wasn't any different from, it was like, I'm okay, I'm making an album and it has to have like tracks on it and it has to be like this and that. And, um, I used to enjoy the, the physical process of like cutting up tape and things like that. I don't really do it very much. I still got my spl splicing block. This is a kind oh, cool. Of, yeah, nice. And, yeah. Antique. And the 45 and got the 90 degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And, um, You're I, still working with that? Not so much anymore, I have to admit. Yeah. It's, yeah. I occasionally, but, I mean, I still work with uh, with reel-to-reels. Yeah, I have quite a, quite a few reel-to-reels, but... Um, and I like the... I still like the sound of, of tape, so... I, mm -hmm. But, uh, of course, I end up transferring it to the computer and and right. editing on computer is so much easier yeah right but the, sure. i mean when i first got a like i bought a laptop like when was that in like i don't know like late 90s or something like that mm -hmm. pretty crappy laptop but the problem with it was that and i think you know like all the kind of electronica that came out around the sort of early mid 90s you know i think a lot of those guys suffered from the same thing that it's like oh wow you can edit like minute little things yeah. and like and just spend hours editing like what kind of one pixels or thing. yeah and, um and it just doesn't really sound great and uh, yeah and and it kind of so it, take, it took it took me a while with computer to kind of take a step back and realize that it's good to just kind of chop things, but not quite precisely, you know, just like, yeah. like tape, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Exactly. Mm. I think that's, and I think that's some good. of the new, uh, noise guys kind of suffer from that a little bit. Like they, I'm not naming names, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Sure. I mean, like cut up kind of some of the charm of like music concrete uh, got lost when computers came along. Let's say, let's say, sure, like that. yeah, yeah, for sure. I know what you mean. Because I mean, you can kind of hear the the effort that went into it in a way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Even real old stuff like Pierre Schaefer or um, Luke Ferrari or something. You know, you can kind of hear that there was some work involved in in chopping it up and yeah yeah hey everyone just want to remind you all to check out evil moisture's bandcamp site where you can pick up old and new releases from him a lot of things he's talked about are on there it's evilmoisture.bandcamp.com so show the artist some love show him some support reach out to him also through there i'm sure he'd love to hear from people um, another thing is I want to remind everyone who's a fan of the podcast, who's listening, please consider supporting it via Patreon if you aren't already. I rely on the support to keep things going, so please consider heading over to patreon.com slash white centipede noise right now and signing up. When you do that, you not only support the podcast, but you got a lot of exclusive content. 
WCN TV is basically a platform for a wide range of video, multimedia, noise content exclusive to the podcast. Last week, I did a follow-up interview with Will Van Gorder of Worth on a series I do called After Blast, which was really, really interesting and entertaining. And this week, I'm actually planning on doing a kind of a live video gathering for all Patreon supporters who are interested. We're going to have some sort of live uh, video feed, and we're all going to get together and shoot the shit and chat. I'll answer questions anyone has. Hopefully some of the uh, previous guests will will tune in too. That's happening Monday, June 27th at 6 p.m. Central Eastern Time. So thanks again for watching. Thanks again for supporting. Take care and talk to you soon. So you're living in France. I described you as, you know, a very British artist. Yeah, I would say so. I mean... what. With my yeah. buddies like Smell and Quim and Prick Decay and all these guys, yeah, yeah, right. for sure. I definitely exactly feel pretty close to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like Ferial Confine and you know some of the Broken Flag stuff and and Mud yeah. Dug and Putrefire. You know these. Yeah, guys, yeah. Oh, he doesn't what like is... being called Putrefire, by the way. But... No. Okay. No, he he prefers. I don't know. He hates that name for some reason. I really like it, but. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know Maybe he was over it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what do you think are some of the defining characteristics of British noise versus American noise or Japanese noise? Wow. Um, a sense of humor is one thing, but yeah. the, the, some of the I mean, the American noise tends to be a bit more. I mean, I don't like to generalize, but it's there's this sort of macho side to it that sure the British noise doesn't. Well, I mean, okay, there's White House and everything, but yeah, um, but like, yeah, the, I don't know. English noise definitely has more of a sort of Monty Python aspect to it. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of Smell and Quim when I'm talking. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Uh, Why do you think that is? That's a really good question. Maybe, uh, um, I don't really know. I think English people have always had a, an idea of, like, ridiculing everything else, you know. And, uh, I mean, I I know some of my stuff's kind of silly, kind of, but I, I try not to be... Because, I don't know, maybe, like, in, if American guys try and do it, it sounds goofy... But in mm -hmm. England, we can kind of get away with it. I don't yeah. know. Exactly. But I mean, or like, you know, Japanese stuff like Han like Hanata Rush 2 is, is like crazy cartoon music in a way. It's yeah. like noise cartoon music. But somehow it's still there's still this kind of kick-ass side to it, you know. I, I don't really know. I mean, no, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's a cultural thing i don't really know i'm no expert on the sociology I don't really sure know. no it's a, i just wanted to hear your thoughts on it because i don't know either i guess english culture is english english people have a good sense of humor gen generally speaking i mean they have a different mm -hmm. very good Spoken. sense of humor yeah and a little bit sense like, it would, like seep kind of annoying kind of sarcastic sense of humor as well yeah you know, kind of fish sense of humor yeah
Yeah. Whereas maybe some other cultures don't have the luxury of having that, so they sort of take themselves more seriously or something like that. So sure, maybe I don't yeah. really know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we can come back to that. Let me yeah, think about. Yeah, that. let me know. Let me know if you think about it. If you have some ideas mm. on it. Mm. Um, would you describe you more of an artist who who lives more in the in the recording realm or the live performance realm? Right. Um, I'm much more comfortable in the recording realm. And when I play live, I've since a lot. Well, I mean, since the beginning, had to find other solutions for playing live. Mm-hmm. So really the live and the recording stuff is kind of separate, but I'm trying to, I slowly kind of try to make them mm-hmm. converge. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, obviously you can't do, you can't do live cut up really. Right. I mean, you can't right. like splice tape on stage and yeah, yeah. Quit. I mean, even, I mean, maybe if you're really fast, you could do it. <laughs> But there'd be a lot of silence and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I had to find other solutions for that. So I started building machines that would basically like noise gates, like gates, so like mm-hmm. switching things. So so it would it would like chop between two sources. And but you know, same time when you play live, people expect that you you look busy. You know, right. Um, if you just sit there and do nothing, you might as well just play a tape that you recorded right. earlier, you know, so, which some people do and, you know, respect and everything, but, um, so I always tried to find solutions for the live shows that were, uh, you know, something different. Like I did a lot of shows with, with a uh, raw meat. Like I built mm. this thing with, um, it was like, something like eight oscillators inside it kind of circuit bent thing with like uh wires coming out with like nails on the end mm-hmm. and stuck them into pieces of raw meat on the table and then you'd move the meat around and it when the bits of meat get further or nearer to each other they uh make different different oscillations and stuff wow. like that I did quite a lot of shows like that, but then I, like I did, you know, like in Japan, I think it was like the second time I went to Japan, they even like, I did it with raw chicken and the guy behind the bar, like cooked the chicken afterwards and fed it to everyone. So it was like, uh, they, they literally ate my instruments, after, <laughs> which is cool. And, um, yeah, I did it with like tons of different, I did a really cool thing that was like a, with a friend of mine that was like an installation in like a, a kitchen and he built like big bass speakers into the kitchen cabinets. And, and I played through those and there was like plates, loads of plates and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, and my job was just to find the right frequencies so that all the plates like fell off the shelves and and smashed. That was quite fun. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but I kind of got bored with doing that because after a while I realized that nobody remembered the sound. Everyone was just like, oh, you're the meat guy. You know, you're the uh-huh. guy that does it with me. It sure. became a bit too much like conceptual performance art kind of thing. So sure. I kind of 
quit doing that. But I did it. I did it for a while. But, but you know, that's why I mean. I, I just mean that you know it's important. To, and I did a lot of stuff with video projections as well. I think it's important to find solutions for playing live rather than just sort of. You don't need to do the same thing that's on on the album. You know, you can right. find something different. Tell me about your proudest moment playing live. Your proudest live set. Oh man, I don't know. Um, beginning of the pandemic, when's that? Like twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. I was in Japan again, and I did a duo with uh, Mikawa from Incapacitants. So we mm. played together. That was really a, like an honor, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I love the guy so much, and cool. Went drinking with him and everything. That was really nice. fun. And Super. Well, I actually started drinking again because of him. Oh. <laughs> like I quit for about six years and um, and I had this I used to have a list of like five people who I would if I met them I would have to start drinking again yeah and he <laughs> and was on the list yeah Lemmy was number one from Motorhead <laughs> yeah. but he passed away so you know, rest in peace and everything but yeah. yeah he was like number two I think and so I was in a bar with him and I was like okay fuck it get a beer and my girlfriend yeah. was like my girlfriend was like, are you sure? No, 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 But don't do it. But anyway, that was, that was one. There was another really good one in Japan as well with, um, um, what's his name? Dobusu. Uh, I was going to say Dobusu. Um, um, anyway, no, nah, never mind. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's all a blur. I, I did so many shows. I don't know. But... No, it's good. Um, but I'm generally not very comfortable with playing live, actually. Sure. I really prefer the recording stuff. and I really like the idea of some of these old avant-garde composers who just never played live ever. And just, right. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, you, know, a, you know, I'm a painter as well, so I really hate people watching me when I'm painting. Mm-hmm. Like, some people really like it. Like, I, I used to live in a squat with, like, some, you know, other artists and stuff like that. Yeah. And there was one guy that used to really love, like, this Italian painter, used to really love uh, having all these people around, like, you know, rolling joints for him and, yeah. and you know, going, oh, man, that's so amazing. I can't yeah. stand it. Like, I need to right. be, like, totally alone when I'm when I'm working and when it's finished then I can show it to other people right. and, and I kind of feel that about recording music as well in general I mean, so I really uh, ideally I'd like to just release things and not have to play live but at the same time I like the social aspect of yeah. playing live I mean you get yeah. to meet new people and friends and stuff like that so that's cool I get that for sure I think that's sort of a unfair expectation that all noise artists are supposed to also be able to play live, whereas right. so much of what we do is made possible and exists in a unconventional, you know, way. For many, for some artists, not all, but I mean, hmm. you, you're doing all of these tape no, compositions on tape cut up like that can't be produced. That's just a different thing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And 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 there's a lot of. Uh, 
thinking that goes into it, it, it you know, coming back to right. it over over days and thinking, ah, actually, I don't really like that part. I'm going to chop that part out or something yeah. like that. Whereas live, you have to be really kind of on the spot. And some yeah. people are, some people love being on stage. Some people are kind of, you know, I saw um, recently saw uh, Joe Glantz, you know, Sudden Infant mm, playing yep. in Paris, and yep. you know, he's like a natural like performer. Yeah. He loves being on stage. He's like a yeah he loves the attention yeah you know i love i really love the guy but i'm i'm not like that at all i'd rather i mean that's also why i use like a lot of video projections and things like that because i want people to i don't want people looking at some guy with you know just uh, playing with the mixer or something you know i want to give people something interesting to look at so yeah but some guys are really good to look at you know i mean but, I mean, noise is weird. It's not like, you know, going to, like, a classical music concert where you're watching the technique of the the guy, you know. Right. Or, it's... you know, even a rock, you know, metal band or whatever, you know, where you're watching the guy, you know. Yeah. It's not like that with noise, really. It's, you have to find something else to... Right, absolutely. Yeah. And some, I mean, you know, Incapacitance Live is amazing, you know, because they're so energetic and... Yeah, and they're really playing. It's, it's like really playing the instruments. Yeah, yeah. And but not everyone, into, I don't think yeah. everyone has to do that. Everything sh- one shouldn't be expected to do that. You know? No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. I, I recently did, a, it hasn't come out yet, but I did a collaboration with uh, Heath Morland from, you know, Sikh Lama, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and Heath's really good at the, he calls it the hands-off approach. Like, he just mm. gets the right settings on his stuff and then just, doesn't really need to do anything yeah and that that kind of inspired me to it made me feel a bit more relaxed about playing live actually that you don't need to look busy all the time you You don't need to you know anyway yeah yeah i i think that's something i think that's something i need to remember sometimes when i play I, i always feel feel the the need oh shit i haven't done anything in 20 seconds i need to tweak something you know yeah, and then it ruins it completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you mentioned already kind of the, the instruments you built, and I actually had a question from – I asked some people who support the, the podcast on Patreon if they have any questions for you. One guy asked if you would talk about the toys you 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 modify and build. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, specifically, have you ever modified a Teddy Ruxpin, he wanted to know. Oh wow! No, I wanted to. Yeah, I I saw. I saw one in a junk shop, and I kind of regret not buying it. But yeah, yeah, the, it's the thing with the tape, a cassette inside it. It's like a tape machine. Yeah, I think it. so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's got. I think it's got some kind of. Uh, like, like the left channel has these kind of, pulses on it that control the movement of the thing, and the wow. right channel has the sound on it. So yeah, you could in theory you could probably modify the make it look really epileptic or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, I've never done that. No. My dream toy that that I missed out on was uh, um, Linda Blair. Is it Linda Blair? Yeah, like The Exorcist. Um, yeah. Doll, and it's like this height is like almost life size. You know. Um, and it was like a Halloween toy that was sold in the States. Wow. And the head 
turns 360 wow. degrees and it's got these samples that go like jesus fuck me but uh, yeah. apparently they changed oh. it so it says like it doesn't say fuck it says something else yeah. i can't remember yeah 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 but wow. that would be a cool thing to circuit bend and own but <laughs> absolutely so um, have you have you have you modified like bigger toys and and like dolls and things like that not really no okay. uh, my i mean i'd love to modify those like you know the animatronic dinosaurs but like take all the skin off them and yeah i don't know but no i've never got to that yeah point but i've done i mean i went through the sort of i don't know apparently i was one of the i don't want to show off so i don't know show off, apparently on, I, 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 there didn't used to be many people doing circuit bending when i started doing it and i didn't really know that but wow. um but i used to go to like flea markets all the time and buy even over here actually there's like some flea yeah. markets that are only for kids toys so it's cool. just like whoa it's like paradise but I, yeah i haven't done that i, I kind of progressed it well progressed i don't know i kind of uh, found circuit bending really cool but like a little bit limiting because if you don't know anything about electronics then you you just blow things up all the time and mm -hmm. sometimes by accident you find really cool things but um the the first ones i had a lot of success with were uh these like vtech um talking computers like kids computers yeah i mean like not real laptops but like you right know, i remember those i think like for like learning the abc and yeah maths and stuff. yeah and you know a bit like the speak and spells but it was like a laptop yeah and I had a lot of success making crazy sort of alien alien language coming out of those things yeah, yeah. So, uh but then i i kind of taught myself electronics a bit very badly but <laughs> so i kind of progressed on a little bit um and started building things out of like cmos chips i don't know anyway, okay maybe too technical yeah tell, tell me a little bit about like the the stuff you build nowadays and the, a little bit about the technical stuff behind it. i probably won't understand it but i think for some people it'll be very interesting well i started off with a book by a guy called nicholas collins uh called i think it was called the art of hardware hacking mm. you can find it online for free i think mm -hmm. and um it's just using like uh, logic chips to make like oscillators and filters and pitch shifters and stuff like that um so i kind of learned how to do that and i did a lot of workshops with with that kind of stuff as well totally stolen from stolen from his book but yeah cool. so made a little money doing the, nice yeah but um and um I don't know more recently I got really interested in uh switching basically just relays and like and gates so yeah basically just cut up stuff but uh yeah. something where you can put like I don't know like you can plug like four things in and and they they go out um well plug like four things in and then it comes out in like uh one one output sure and then it depends on the volume of one thing 
as to which one gets switched on, so it just like chops between. Yeah. Things like, that. like just recently, and I went to see. You know, oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. Go on. I. I... Uh, just, and it's kind of related. Like I um, went to see uh, David Tudor Pulses mm -hmm. performance uh, by this this guy. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, and David Tudor used to like David Tudor was one of you know kind of inspired me because he built all these circuits and you can find them online and, yeah. and kind of learn a bit of electronics from David Tudor because it's all kind of David Tudor is all about switching it's just like yeah. or switching or kind of making little clicks in in the PA or something like that yeah very strange electronics actually yeah. How but much of your electronics that you have now, like how much of your setup now is self-built? Uh, quite a bit. Um, it depends where I'm playing because the... Well, I haven't shown you one thing. Like, this is like a... This is like mm. from last year, I think. It's cool. a total mess, but it's like a um, graphic equalizer from a car. Mm-hmm. It's got an oh, amplifier cool. in the back, so it's, it puts out wow. like sixty watts. Wow. I think I blew I blew up a PA the last time I played with it. I'm not trying to show off or anything, but it's got like a. <laughs> it's basically just really circuit bent inside, and it's got like a, a digital reverb and things like that. Wow. It's all spaghetti together. And, uh, so that's one of the more recent ones that I built. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot. How of, long have you been building those? Oh my god! Uh, um, probably like thirty years or something. Okay, so yeah. Oh no, 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 I'm exaggerating. Twenty-five years. Okay. But so you know your way I, around. Before I moved to Paris, anyway. I don't know. I'm bad with okay. dates. But, yeah. Okay. No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but is there more questions for? Wait a minute, because I didn't really. So I, I have a I have a site somewhere. I think it still exists. Uh, yeah. Because I, I used to build more things, like, to sell. And I, I was trying sure. to stop doing that since I started painting more and things like that. Uh, so I, I made um, one thing that's like a kind of a optical theremin, I guess you call it. Mm -hmm. So it's like six oscillators with, like, photocells and, like, like a volume for each one mm -hmm. and a pitch for each one. And so you can basically just move yeah. your hand around in front of it and yeah it depends on the light and so there was another cool. one that was like that, that i sold quite a lot of that was like a uh yeah like a digital delay um but very noisy like want to give it respect and rest in peace to tom smith to live in yeah. shave in la because he i built one for him cool. and he and he used it like Forever, you know. I mean, wow. it was his main. It, he called it his axe. You know, he said it yeah. was his like main instrument. You know, and cool. Wow. And it's just this little box, but it's like, and he used it like with no input, so it's just the, uh, right. just the echo kind of thing. But, Very cool. Um, yeah. Do you have those available now for sale? No. That stuff? Nothing. No, I I should start doing those things again. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and but I've been kind of busy with painting and everything, so. I don't know. 
Yeah. So what do you what do you what do you do outside of Evil Moisture? You you paint. I mean, the the visual aspect of Evil Moisture is something obviously very noticeable. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I've been doing painting, and I'm, at, I'm supposed to be writing a book as well. It hasn't been going very fast, but. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing exhibitions in in Paris and stuff like that. So, yeah. And you're you're responsible for a lot of the artwork on, on the cover. On the covers. Yeah, mostly. Mostly. Funnily enough, except the LPs, which is, I don't okay. know. I'm not very happy with that, actually. <laughs> like, the, there's one on Blossoming Noise and, like, the uh, Graham, the lovely guy, but he yeah. insisted on doing the doing the cover. I was like, all right. Okay. Sure. It, 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 it didn't seem very logical to me, seeing as that I'm, I consider myself mostly to be a visual artist who does... Hmm does noise at the same time. Yeah. But, and the, yeah, the one on um, Ideal as well. I don't know if you got that one, but uh, if you want to... I think, I don't think I have it here, fuck, but I, I think I know... If you want to fuck the sky, teach your cop to fly, or whatever. Yeah, like. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's not really my artwork, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. The only one that's, the only LP that's, Actually, my artwork is the first one, Gak, which just yeah. got, which just came out on CD on the New Forces. Uh, right, exactly. It's yeah. a great, great one. And, and they, that's they your one, right? Yeah, that's early, early. I mean, this is really yeah. old. This is, yeah, but they want to release a box of um, of a lot of our other early cassettes, which is kind of good and bad you know it makes me feel like a bit of a dinosaur you know it makes me feel like i should do something new you know? <laughs> how do you feel about the the current climate of so many reissues like cd reissues of of, of classic noise like you know 90s noise 2000s noise 80s noise i think it's good yeah because there's obviously more of an audience for it now yeah and um and also i think a, a kind of um, because of the shipping costs nowadays, it's a good thing that like an right. American label is releasing my stuff over there because otherwise they couldn't afford to buy it directly from right. me. So that's a good yeah. positive thing. Yeah, yeah. Why Definitely. not? Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's for yeah. me. It's uh, of the. I'm a you know I'm younger. I wasn't able to experience that era right. firsthand that, yeah. and. Then there's this big collector market of, you know, the originals, which is very cool, but I don't have the, you know, the money or the patience to really track all that stuff down. So I'm, I'm always really, really happy when some golden era noise gets re reissued on an inexpensive CD. Like, that's, for me, mm -hmm. I think it's great. a dream, you know? Well, it's good that people are still buying the CDs rather than just ripping it off the internet you know yeah or just listening to it on streaming or whatever yeah um, there's a big thing for that i mean do you think that well i uh, i'm gonna ask you the question uh, yeah because there are some people who disagree with that and think that it should be kept really 
obscure and difficult to find and rare and everything. I mean, I know a couple of people who, you know, it, they think that it kind of ruins the the charm of it, the fact that it's really easy to get. But I, I, I disagree with that completely. I disagree. I get what I get why they think that, but I think that's a false manufactured hype around it. I think. There's no, there's no logical reason for, for things not to be available like that. I think that's, that's more to preserve the, the mystique around it. I think sometimes the mystique takes over the actual quality of the, of the music. I know there are some, things that have been reissued that, are these legendary old recordings that oh my god this will never come out again this is impossible to find, and it has this big, you know cult of. There's a big cult around it, and then sometimes it gets reissued or something like that, and you finally get to hear it without all the fanfare, and you kind of realize... And it's not like, very oh, good? Not that good. <laughs> it's just like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what the big deal about this was, and I know why they wanted to keep it super... Oh, yeah, that happens. Super too. hyped yeah, now. Yeah, like some too. of the like vinyl on demand kind of stuff. Like some yeah. of the previous... And I, I don't know, I don't want to bitch about anyone but like sometimes the the way things are reissued with really sort of lazy packaging you know i mean that you know if you want to reissue something you should do it well you know yeah like i like i was really happy with the gack like my first yeah movie, like the, the cd yeah. you know the, yeah. like john v's did the yeah you know graphic design he's a great designer i mean he yeah. kept it like the original you know it's just exactly like, yeah yeah cool for but sure. Like the, the, there was this, uh, I was with a, in a friend's house the other night, and he showed me this uh, Mertzbau box, like vinyl on demand Mertzbau box of like early stuff, and and it, it just looks like so la such lazy graphic design, and that that pisses me off, you know, probably because I'm an artist or uh, a visual yeah. artist. But there's one. There's one big label that does a lot of reissues of stuff, and it's a very they do a great. They do a lot of really great reissues of, of great albums. But at least in their earlier years, they were doing really, really bad revisionist artwork. You know, taking classics with classic artwork and then just doing some completely random new screen printed stuff with Comic Sans font. Um, mm. yeah. And so there's a lot of frustrating reissues out there. There's you know, Mauthausen Orchestra box set reissued the the gravitational arch of sex with totally puzzling new minimal packaging and artwork which is you know it's a double whammy because on one on the one hand i'm happy to be able to get these tapes you know for a affordable price but at the same time when i look at the the whole package <laughs> i think well it's, it's only how you know it's only halfway there yeah in some ways you know so that's that's frustrating for sure what do you um, think? Of, what do you think about? I, I'm sorry, I'm turning this. Into no, no, no! Please, please, you, please. What do you think about Urashima? That's what. I'm, that's what. I'm, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Some and of those. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. Say, I don't want to say anything bad about them in general. I mean, I, I think they've they've improved their artwork nowadays, and like I said, they do some really nice stuff. I yeah, I have one. I only have one. Huh? Yeah, and it's the Atrax Morg. Um, I can't remember the title, but it comes with like a pair of rubber gloves and a yeah. syringe. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I bought yeah. it a 
kind of just I just bought it because I thought okay yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. buy that but, <laughs> but um, I mean you know the classic example is like all the MB reissues like how many fucking times has they, have they released uh, over yeah. the different labels reissued the same albums I mean I love MB though. yeah it's weird how some artists work like that they do that with MB they released his certain albums like four or five times I don't know I don't know if many other noise artists are able to exactly yeah yeah I mean I feel I, I just feel like a like a I died or something if I if people start reissuing I mean yeah. I'm a bit funny about reissues because you know like uh like I was saying to uh Stefan you know yeah uh, new forces yeah like I said okay I'm I'm happy to do the do this stuff but uh the good thing you know one good thing that Stefan said to me is well you know send us something new and we'll release that as well yeah because I cool. said I, I start I start to, starting to feel like a an old fart, you know, like an old dinosaur, you know. Right. So, yeah, you know, I think that's a big concern. I think um, actually one of my questions that I want to ask you towards the end, but I'll ask you now is um, what what post, say, like 2010 release of yours would you recommend? Or you could even say post 2020 release uh, of yours. Would you recommend someone who hasn't necessarily kept up with your output to check out? Like what's a, what's a newer one that you can be like, this is my this is what I'm on it right now. Oh, wow. Like, I would say, like, um, I did this, like, going back to what I said about John Olson making up mm -hmm. different band names and stuff. Yeah. I did this project called Fog Antenna. Mm. And um, and I did one that's it's called Fog Antenna Plays Zombie Holocaust. Cool. And it's, if you know the movie. Uh, yeah. Because that's another thing I could talk about is movies. But, but yeah, no, this is a... I didn't use any of the original sound from the movie, but it kind of sounds like I did. Cool. And it's a bit more kind of electronic, kind of like creepy. There's actually no synthesizer on it, but it sounds like synthesizers. Nice. Um, that one I'd recommend. You can find it on the Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, we'll link that so people can people have a chance to directly check that out. Um, going a little bit back to your your work itself. Um, you, like you said, you know, you work with kind of humorous, I don't want to say silly, like silly, but kind of, you know, you have a certain characteristic to your sound. You have a very distinct sound. Yeah. And I mean, the older, the old, some of the older stuff is more silly or something. I mean, I don't know. I don't mind. It. Well, I don't want to say, yeah, I don't want to say silly. The word, but, no, that's not, but that's I mean, not the right. There's that's a sense of humor, word, but the, yeah. the question the question I want to get at is like, it's kind more of like the textures, the textures yeah. and sounds that you choose. What when you're recording, when you're working with sounds, when you're looking for sounds, like what's what sort of sounds are you? What what sort of sounds catch your ear? What sort of sounds are you really going for that turn you on? Oh, uh, I mean, um, in general, I like sounds that are like not exactly recognizable but you can kind of mm -hmm. recognize it I, I always thought about this like um in this way like um when you listen to i don't know pop music mm -hmm. you can recognize a guitar or or a 
keyboard or drums or something, and it kind of stops you from actually listening to what the sound actually is because you you just you have this like signifier in your head that goes, mm -hmm. oh, that's a guitar. So yeah. it's like when you look at a table, you don't really see what a table actually looks like. Right. You just go, oh, that's a table. You know, you, when you walk into a room, you don't really need to actually look at the table in detail to figure out yeah. that it's a table because you already know you have this kind of um, database of tables in your head. So you can right. figure out what it is. And the same with guitars, same with drums and things like that. So I really love sounds that you can't do that with, like you, you know, and yeah. that's, I think that's why I got into noise in the first place because I really love kind of unrecognizable sounds. Yeah. And at the same time, you have, I have the sense that you use a lot of, sometimes you use like like musical samples and things like that, kind mm -hmm. of, and 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 tape recordings and maybe what I think of or maybe sometimes voices, exactly what you're saying. It's like recognizable or somewhat familiar but on the on the edges of that yeah yeah, yeah. and i guess i hadn't thought about that, that before but i think a lot of those sounds that i associate with your with your work uh do really remind me of of voices not that they're necessarily voices as voices as the source but the electronics or the the way they're played or processed remind me of some sort of foreign alien voice Mm -hmm. Maybe I never talking. Thought about it really, but... Never thought of it like that. Okay. No. Okay. Not really, but I always used to describe it as like, um, like abstract cartoon music or something. Mm -hmm. like yeah, for sure. I mean, the... for sure, though, for sure, some of the earlier stuff has some like jokes in there. You know, like clear jokes. You know? Yeah. A bit like 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 Smell and Quim as well. You know, there's some. Yeah. You know, like right in the middle of a track there's like some sample of like something yeah. really recognizable and uh, yeah just to make people laugh i guess but yeah i mean i like making people laugh so. <laughs> yeah it is i mean and it is and, i do laugh the, i mean i do, know, I do. The thing in the you know the you know growing up listening to you know listening to noise music and stuff like that well, growing up i don't i'm exaggerating but you know starting to learn about noise music and you know uh figuring out that some of these guys are taking themselves a little bit too seriously you know so yeah it was a, it was a deliberate reaction against some of that you know some of the sort of more maybe industrial stuff or yeah you know even like white i mean white house kind of sure philip best's a good friend of mine but you know but he did you know i mean <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I wanted to take the piss out of that stuff a bit. And yeah. Maybe in, also, like, you know, Hanata Rash kind of did that as well. You know, they they were like, okay, you know, it's like one-upmanship, you know. It's like, okay, we, uh, you take yourself so seriously, okay, I'm going to take the piss out of you. And then it's just like... Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> yeah, for sure, I see that. What inspires you outside of art? and noise or music oh films really i mean i'm a huge fan of like i've got a huge collection of like a huge video collection uh cool like vhs collection and um uh did some writing on film as well not not as much mm. as i'd like to but um 
yeah, specific genres or specific specific types of films? I like uh, kind of exploitation films, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially you know, like like Jez Franco, I know quite a lot mm-hmm. about, and Joe D'Amato. I, li- I like yeah. like European uh, trashy European films. Let's just say. sure. What are your top three? Oh, films. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd say like probably like Bio Omega, like Joe D'Amato film. Okay. Uh, I think it's called uh, Beyond the Darkness in America. I don't know. Okay. Uh, show me the. Probably have it here. <clears throat> Top three. Well, okay. Here's one. You know this film? No, uh, I don't. It's about like a. It's about a necrophiliac taxidermist. Uh, um, He his girlfriend dies and he taxidermies her and keeps her in his bed and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. Soundtrack by Goblin. Amazing soundtrack. Cool, cool. Um, What would be number two? I don't know. No, you put me on the spot here. I don't know. Uh, I'd probably just say three Joe D'Amato films to be honest. Uh, Jez Franco, Sadomania, Domi- Say a really mm-hmm. good one, kind of a women in prison movie. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm just looking on the... Uh, there's a great, great film called Love Camp, which is also... It's by a Greek guy, I can't remember his name, but... Okay. I love uh, Laura Gemster films, basically, and I mean some others as well, but... Women from Cell Block 9 is the poster for it, which is like hanging out in front of the... Alright, cool. I don't know if you're allowed to have nudity on the the channel, (laughs) but... (laughs) I can blur it out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can you do that, Ray? I can blur it. Uh, Like a mosaic? I can put a little something there, yeah, yeah. I've had... YouTube YouTube will potentially flag it. Yeah, I if know they recognize it or if someone reports it, I've I've had that issue already before. So. I gave my gave up my YouTube channel because exactly because of that. So, yeah, it's an it's. I it's, got so it's, sick of them. Not just that, like you know, there's some music in the background, and I didn't yeah. even notice it. And they, and they're like, oh, this is copyright infringement. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's something I have made some mistakes on in the past, which hopefully don't bite me in, bite me in the ass in the future. <laughs> No, it seems to be um, going well so far. Yeah, I enjoyed the, yeah. I enjoyed the Vomia one, by the way. Yeah, you, that, know, that, you know we're we're very good friends, and yeah. we could talk about that. I mean, you know, we did a a movie together. Called I Free didn't know Day. that. Oh right, okay. Could talk about that if you want. Yeah, Roro filmed this like, you know, just with a little digital camera. He made this little little movie. Uh, and then he gave it to me, and I did all the effects on it. But wow. I, I did it with like, uh, like analog, like homemade effects that I built. Cool. Because I got, I tried to get into like, kind of like video circuit bending, mm-hmm. which not many people do actually, because it's not easy. Right. And, but I ended up doing a lot of it with like I got like an old VCR, and just like when the tape was playing just like messed around with the circuit boards with like cool. wires and stuff and and uh recording everything at the same time just in case i destroyed the machine you know yeah 
So yeah, no, yeah, we made a movie called Free as Dead. You can check it out. That's on you. That's on YouTube, actually. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Definitely, we'll check that out. That's awesome. You're not, but you don't live in Paris, do you? Or you live near Paris? I live near Paris. It's like thirty. It's it's like twenty five miles from Paris. Okay. In the okay. like south of Paris. Okay. I live right near the forest. It's really cool out there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Got a cool looking place from the from the small frame I see here. Yeah, I don't know. If I want to give you the whole tour, I mean, maybe after we stop recording, I can give you the tour. Up to you. I would love to see it if you want to. It's a fucking mess, though. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's all the electronic stuff. I'll give you a tour. Yeah, great. Bunch of drawers with, like, chips and shit like that. Uh, There's a... Oh. Yeah, up there is all the kind of... That might be on topic. Like mm-hmm. up there, there's a bunch of like handmade, you know, oversized packaging. Yeah, oversized packaging. Yep, I recognize yeah. that for sure. And a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, over there, there's a whole bunch of CDs. There's right. a bunch of uh, videotapes. Uh, right. That's part of my collection, but killer. Uh, there's all the Royal Sperm Masters up there. Ah, oh, cool. Good. That's real sperm stuff. Sweet. And there's talking about Vomir. There's a little Vomir statue. You know oh, wow! Yeah. Is that actually is that actually him? It's like a Vomir action figure. Hang on. Wow. Know. Far out. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's on the, uh, what's that label? Yeah, look. Vomir. Whoa! I didn't know that <laughs> existed. There was like 10 copies of it or something. Wow. And there's like a download code. <laughs> That's killer. <laughs> That's super cool. Wow. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's, of, he's a very, very cool guy. Stuff. Yeah. Very he cool. was someone I've been in. It was really great to, to interview him because that was someone I've, you know, been in contact with on and off, but, you know, forever. And mm. I was pleasantly surprised by his personability and his... Uh, he's a total gentleman. He's a, yeah. 
Beautiful guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you th- you imagined that he was going to be really like scary and. I imagined he was going to be like Vamir, you know, like. <laughs> like, like, really xenophobic and. I don't know. I mean, I just thought, you know, more, more def- more clearly in line with his with his project's character, I guess. But so <laughs> you you've been, you've been part of a lot of collaborations, and you know, uh, this. A recent one, which I really, really enjoyed, was the CD on Tronics, the collab between you and uh, Tronics and Helicopter, I guess, put it out. You, John Weiss, and... And Joseph Hammer. Yeah, that was yeah. super. Yeah, that was when I was over in the in the States, like, end of 2019, I guess Okay. Yeah. So was that a live collaboration? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, we were in the same room, yeah. yeah. Cool. That was in Joseph Hammer's house in L.A. Yeah. Wow. So more or less played without much post-composition? Uh, no, or... no, John edited it quite a bit. Okay. Because we, we recorded a lot, and yeah. John kind of cut it down. Yeah, it's a super cool release. I think me and John have got the same kind of editing style, like subtractive editing, I guess you mm-hmm. could call it, you know. You know, record three hours and it ends up being 30 minutes or something. Right. Yeah. Throw away sure. all the worst parts. All the boring things. parts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, were, there was nothing boring, though. But No, but I mean, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. What are some of the other John, favorite? John's more, he's, he's, more, he's more strict than I am about it, but... Huh? What? what are some of your favorite collaborations you've done? Mm, I have to say the one with Macroninfo, really. Cause yeah. That's a good, um, that's a classic. I know. Um, and that one, yeah, and the one you just talked about. I mean, that's a really good one. Uh, what else? I have one with K two that hasn't come out. But... Is it a, a recent one? No, it's really old. Well, the materials that he sent me are from like ninety six or something, but mm-hmm. it's just like metal bashing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it sounds really good just on its own, actually. But, um, but yeah, worked on that, and yeah, maybe one day that'll come out. So that was. Is it one. is it planned for any label, or is it is it up in the no, air? No, not yet. But I got quite a few offers on different labels, so I'm kind of a bit behind with. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not spoiled for choice in terms of offers. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good, but it's a bit overwhelming. It's kind of, it's like, oh shit, I have to do this for these yeah. guys. And, you know, so I, I want to take my time over things. Like, like we were, like we talked about right at the beginning of the interview, making an album back in the nineties. You know, don't really want to rush it. You know, and right. I don't. I'm not really good at being like doing like Olsen style and just like churning things out you know I, sure. I, I want I tried that with the royal sperm stuff I did try and do that and just kind of throw things together and whatever you know but but I want to be a little bit more careful about things these days and, yeah royal sperm was mostly your recordings correct mostly but there was quite a few other people on there there's uh there was like BB Blood, you know BB Blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did a tape for me, and uh, cool. 
There was a... Uh, who else? I'm looking now. Oh, there's some, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Knox Mitchell from... Yeah. Like, green Tapes, you know? For sure, yeah. Yeah, he did... He, him and, uh, what's he called? Dirty Tony, uh, did... Sent me a bunch of stuff, actually, which I released. And, cool. Nice. But it's funny, because that label, you know, going back to the thing about changing the, the band names and stuff, mm -hmm. and, like, most people who bought these Royal Sperm tapes, they were like, like, they were like, that's not you. You know, they always want to know who it is, you know. And, yeah. And, and it's funny, because the ones that I released from other people, they were like, oh, yeah, that's your, that's you. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, they thought you were the... I thought, yeah, they thought I was, like, uh, knocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about uh, Olympic Shitman. Oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, where to start with that? So Mark, Mark is a really good old friend. Mm -hmm. um, when I lived in London, met up with him, and when he was going under the name Putrefire, and so this would be like what. 90, 90, 92, 93 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, I'm not very good with the dates, but... But anyway, we became kind of drinking buddies. We used to go to... Uh, Jap we wanted to learn Japanese, and we went mm -hmm. to night school to learn Japanese, but we ended up just going to the bar all the time and not really learning much Japanese. And um, Yeah, we started jamming together and... Um, yeah, we did a couple of gigs together in London, and and that so that that album well, it was originally a cassette on the right on a Mother, Mother Savage. Savage, yeah, yeah, and uh, then Steve Underwood reissued it, with yeah, a double LP, and uh, I made like a kind of comic book that came with it. And, did you do the comic book for it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the comic yeah, book yeah. is great. I I have that back in my, like I live in I live in Germany now, so most of my noise collection is back in the states because I couldn't move with it. So that's right. that's one I definitely surprised possession. I remember the comic book, but I haven't been able to look at it in in many years. But you can probably so what, find it in a in a flea market or something. <laughs> <laughs> what were those sessions like? Were those were those also mostly live sessions, or was that a lot of Tape editing after the. It was mostly. It was. I think it was all live actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we edited it a bit, but like on, on cassette, you know. Okay. Like just taking just the parts out. And things like that. Yeah. No, but it was like also recorded like that. You know, like taking yeah, the okay. on when we were recording. Um, and yeah, it's kind of weird. Like I had this small apartment. Uh, in Greenwich, London, and above the bathroom, there was like a uh, how do you how do you call that? Like a hatch in yeah. the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like, I was like, "What's up there?" And there was like this little kind of triangular, like block of cheese shaped uh -huh. uh, roof area, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, it sounds like a." So anyway, I just got loads of cardboard boxes and like bits of carpet and stuff. And like insulated it inside, mm -hmm. and put like a ladder, and we used to record up there. Yeah, Mark cool. came over there quite a few times, and 
it was like super sweaty in there. Yeah. But, um, I remember one time the neighbors complained. Like th there was this this woman came around and bashed on the door and said, "It sounds like there's an airplane taking off, but I can't figure out where it's coming from or something like that." And <laughs> but yeah, so we recorded a lot. Of, I mean, we had like scrap metal and yeah, tons of sh tons of weird shit up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite fun times. Yeah, killer. And when you when you released that on Mother Savage, did Romer or did, did the Mother Savage like processing or or dubbing play a role? Did, did they have any hand in the in the final tape? Because I know a lot of their tapes have you a mean, certain they, sound. They crank you mean, did the they sound. Put, did they put it on ten? Yeah, yeah. eleven. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> They didn't do that so much with our, our stuff, actually. No, the okay. tape sounds pretty much like the LP. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So they weren't yeah. like they weren't they didn't have a hand in editing or or mixing or mastering, so to speak. Not at all. No. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Cool. It was just what I sent them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was mo I was more in touch with Joe than with Roger at that point. I think. So. Yeah, I think I have the sense that well, I don't really know, but I think he was more. Kind of active in running the label but what was correspondence with him like at that time <laughs> great it was crazy <laughs> i mean i used to get like you know five page letters from him just like ranting about i don't know real sick stuff and you yeah. know like man you gotta come over to pittsburgh and stand on this bridge and listen to the sounds of the trains going past and stuff like that i don't know just crazy I mean, obviously, really high when he wrote a lot of the letters. I, th yeah. I still have them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I still have a bag with all these letters in. But And Ro Roger was really funny because sometimes Roger used to write to me. And like, I remember one time he wrote to me, like, I did a double cassette. I think it was called Caesarean Wind Section. Mm -hmm. And it was like a cassette and then a cassette loop. It, so it was like a double mm. cassette, but one of them was just a, a handmade loop. Yeah, and um, and he sent me a letter on this weird kind of Japanese handmade paper, saying like, "Dear Andy, um, I I was smoking a joint uh, laced with laced with PCP <laughs> in my car, and I was listening to your cassette loop in the car in the cassette player, and I totaled the car. Can you send me another copy?" <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I don't think it was a joke. I mean, I think yeah, it, it, probably it, not. It, no, no, no. I don't think so. Mm. Did you ever meet those guys personally? Mm -mm. Oh, Roger! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In uh, No Fun Fest would be like 2008. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was there. Yeah. He was like eating pizza on stage and. <laughs> You know, he had like a, his theremin, got on stage, theremin falls over immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Everything gets unplugged, whatever. It's just like buzz. And just some some guy comes up and offers him a bit of pizza and he's just sitting there eating a slice of pizza. And he, yeah, he was quite high when, yeah. when I was hanging out with him. Anyway, kind of mysterious guy though, because he had like a, I remember he had this like, black car 
and the license plate said uh, Alabama plates applied for. Uh huh. Wow. And it had like tinted windows, and he was wearing shades. So I don't know. It looked like some kind of FBI. Uh, at the time, I thought he was like an FBI or something like that, <laughs> or CIA. Maybe. You um, never. Yeah. There's. You never know. He was spying on the, spying on the noise scene. <laughs> What what's it like for you to meet people that you've been in contact with, like in such an intimate way, in person? Oh, you mean is it disappointing when you when you? I don't even know. I, I well, no, I don't. I'm not implying that at all. I'm just curious. What I mean, I was more thinking the opposite. Is it you know? Is it exciting? Is it fulfilling? Is it life affirming? Is it disappointing? I think, I think mostly. People have been like exactly what I imagined, you know? uh-huh. but I mean, I remember when I was like a, more like a teenager, you know, thinking like I don't want to meet all my idols because I might be disappointed when I meet them. Like, sure. Like I remember thinking that about Yamatsuka Ai, boredom, whatever. I remember thinking I'm not sure if I really want to meet the guy because I kind of worshipped him, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I'm exaggerating a bit, but, you know, sure. I, I really loved him, and I was worried that I was going to be disappointed. Yeah. And I wasn't, really. I mean, it was fine. But, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. In general, it's just, like, pretty much exactly what I imagined. I don't necessarily mean in terms of, like, what the person is like, but, I mean, how that feels. Because, you know, doing this type of art, doing noise music, it's a very isolated thing in some way, you know, from... Mm. From your daily, from your daily contacts, for most most of us at least, and then you know we make these connections with people very far away that sometimes mm. you know develop over a long period of time and become very meaningful. Mm. And you know you've been you've been you've been doing it for a long time and have been collaborating, working with many many other really interesting, great. Artists, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm curious what yeah, that feels like. The chance to finally, very, finally feel, get, feel, get face-to-face with these very, people. I just feel very lucky that I, I can meet these people. You know, and, yeah. Uh, just, just happy that I can meet them, and and the the fact that they respect me. You know, I'm kind of always surprised about that. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you do. You do represent a very unique sound uh, and a unique approach, but you are someone who is very much I would say universally respected by by many, many old and young yeah. in the, yeah, in the scene for what you've for what you've done and what you do. Mm. Maybe How it's do just my that? age. I mean, maybe it's just my age. I mean, maybe because, yeah, I mean, I remember okay, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't name names, but like, um, I met one guy a few years ago who said, like, Andy, um, I feel like I missed out. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he was talking about, like, early 90s, well, like, 90s noise. You know? He was mm-hmm. like, I feel like I missed the boat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, there, there wasn't any boat. You know, there, were, there wasn't. <laughs> you didn't miss out on anything, you know. It's just a, it's nice that people have that kind of dream, but... Yeah. I don't think they really missed out on anything, you know. Still, it, it's, it's better now, you know. I mean, it's much more active 
now. And Did you feel at the time that you were part of something special? No, no, that's the thing. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, there was nothing going on back then. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a group of people who fucking hate everything. How is that going to be like some kind of community? There's just no way. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's no, not a community. You know, it's, a, it's a loose association. And, and, like, and like really recl reclusive people who never fucking go out, you know. Yeah. How is it going to be a group of... How is there going to be any scene going on? You know, you know but isn't I mean? that then special when you do meet these other people that kind of share this... Yeah, kind of... but... It's like, oh, you, okay, yeah, I remember you, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know... Actually, in London, back in the back in the day, um, the only time I remember any kind of scene was um, some friends of mine used to do um, every. I think it was Friday night. Um, they were, they had a house that was covered with uh, a bit like the Warhol factory, like the walls were all painted silver everywhere, and we used to have like a horror movie night, and the 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 competition was, well, like, the contest was to bring the sickest shit you could find and put it in the VCR and sh try and shock everyone. And the guy that always won it was this old friend of mine, rest in peace, uh, this guy Paul Nomex, who was kind of on the planet, like, on the fringe of the breakcore scene. Um, but it was basically noise, right? And... Um, and he he worked as a cameraman for a plastic surgery clinic, so he used to bring he used to like copy tapes from the plastic surgery clinic that he'd filmed, and um, he, so he always won. Jesus, <laughs> I mean, yeah. really sick shit. Like um, there was one video that I remember that it was like this woman who the reason I remember it is because he she prosecuted the surgeon because she she asked to see the video and his job was to like edit out all the jokes in the video like basically like it was like a facelift so you know what they do they kind of remove all the you know obviously they put her under anesthetic and everything and then they remove all the skin from the skull on her face yeah. you know? they kind of chill whatever they put some things on i don't know what they do and then they put like two kind of like bits of wire and like pull the cheeks up or something like that and the surgeon was making jokes like kind of like Elvis <laughs> impersonation jokes or oh, no. going like you know and and the woman wasn't happy with the results so she wanted to see the video so my friend had to cut these parts out oh no <laughs> Jesus. so he won that evening of horror whatever but so that was the scene that was your. That was your. That was the only scene that I. <laughs> well, I'm just drinking with with Mark. Yeah. Mark Bergen, you know. Yeah. I mean, we used to. Yeah, we used to hang out, just get drunk together and stuff like that. I mean, I should mention my old friend uh, Tim Mulder, who used to be part of the Evil Moisture concerts. Where he was in hmm. like four or five of them. I don't know. I used to, he was like an old friend of mine from art school and mm -hmm. lived in London as well. And 
he also built like weird machines and things like that and um he wasn't really into noise music or or anything like that but he was into building weird shit and mm-hmm. um and kind of open for playing live with me and stuff like mm-hmm. that so uh, yeah, I should mention him, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. <clears throat> so, I don't know if you have noticed this watching the episodes that I've done, but I ask everyone at the end, not trying to totally put you on the spot, but what are their top five noise releases of all time? All right. Um, okay, I'll say off the top of my head, Hanatharash 2. Yeah, but I'd probably say Hanatharash three as well. Matt's mm-hmm. um, um, Bow, swimming behavior of human infant mm-hmm. collaboration, and then like another Matt's Bow, uh, Bats Two Tie with Material Gadgets, mm-hmm. double CD. That's five already, though. Hey, that's um, four, is it? Uh, yeah, right. Um, One more. Final. One more. Let's see now. Really noise, noise, noise. Okay. Um, I mean, whatever you want to, whatever you want to consider it. I don't know. I have to think about that. <laughs> I thought that was five, though. But... Two Hanatarash, two Mersbo? Yeah, and a. Uh... Well, the most power is a double CD, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Can I can I talk about cassettes as well? Does it have to be out? Of course, or? of course, of course. Any any sort of noise release. Oh well, I mean, you know, like the anything. like the journey into pain box set. Cool. Okay. On the statutory tape or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. All right, good. That was definitely one of my gateway things, yeah. So, okay. If you're talking about the classics, I mean, I can talk about other What about, I don't know how, I don't know how much you consume of, of newer and modern stuff, but what about five things of, re, I'm not going to, I asked some people the last year, but what about five things the last few years that aren't reissued? Uh-huh. Any new um, stuff that you're that you're really into? Oh, I bought like a t- ton of like uh, like fag tape stuff, like mm-hmm. Sikh Lama stuff, like mm-hmm. about yep. over there. It was like, yeah, um, a lot of stuff on American tapes. I really love as well. Yeah. Um, uh, really new stuff. Like, there's a lot of like stuff coming out of Sweden that I really like as well. Yeah. Like. A, uh, like the, any, anything that Eric Nystrand puts out, I really like. You know, yeah. the, the, the MS Elite and all this kind yep. of really harsh stuff. Um, <coughs> have you ever considered a collaboration with him? I just, I just occurred to me. Yeah, we have, we've talked about it. Yeah. yeah? And he, well, actually, he's doing a new label with uh, Dan, right? I mean, oh yeah, that's an. I mean, Sur- yeah. anything recent Sur election, well, yeah. even old Sur election. Yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and him and Dan are running a new label. Yep. Usagi That's right, and they asked me to do something for them. So cool. Yeah, uh, I love you know text, 
well, Tommy Karanen, you're wearing the T-shirt, yes. right? But yeah. yeah, anything Tommy does is great. And absolutely uh, doesn't do enough. The, the Scandinavians are doing pretty good. You, I mean, they have been they, for a long time. Quite yeah, they're quite healthy and. I mean, going off a little bit on a tangent, but I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about Ride for Ride for Revenge. It's not really sure. noise, but of course. I love Ride for Revenge. I love yeah. the new one, um, and you know, their side projects, which are really disgusting and shouldn't be talked about on sure, YouTube. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I I do keep in touch. As yeah. much as I can. I mean, I'm interested in the new stuff. I'm not like some guy who got, you know, like guy who goes like, oh, it's all been done. It's all been done before in the eighties. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not someone like that, you know. So. No, I, I, I I'm see. very much interested in what what's coming out now. Yeah, um, it seems like the way. Sometimes I'm surprised by even people that I, I mean, like I, I spoke to Wyatt, Wyatt from Skin Graft recently, who's just you know been busy and but when it came to that question he's just been like he was like i haven't really been checking stuff out lately like new stuff just because that's how some people some yeah people are. So it's well, cool, but it's cool to, cool to know that you're that you're always keep that you're also keeping your finger on the pulse i think it's i think it's important i think it's i, I agree uh well i mean you know whatever anyone wants to listen to that's fine you know yeah but, you know if they want to just listen to king crimson for the rest of their life that's cool too <laughs> but you know uh <laughs> You know what but, I think would be a fantastic collaboration that I would like to recommend. You, you know, you did the three-way collaboration, you Hammer and Weiss. I think you should ooh. do a collaboration you, Sewer Election and Eric Nystrand. We have talked about. Me and Daniel have talked about collaborating, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's logical and blah blah blah." But you yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, yeah. we should. Yeah. For sure, that'd be killer. Maybe that'll end up being the the thing that they release i don't know yet but yeah i do definitely enjoy collaborations quite a lot more these days than than playing solo you know i mean especially in a sort of live situation yeah like like the thing with uh joseph hammer and john was very comfortable like I, yeah also you know if i don't want to do any you know it's it's nice to kind of rely on other people. Sure. You know, if it's if it sucks, it's not your fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Check out the new release called Two Four Two from the industrial noise project Kriviri from Ukraine at kriviri.bandcamp.com. That's K R Y V Y I R I H dot bandcamp.com. Also, check out the Instagram page at kriviri underscore noise. That's K-R-Y-V-Y-I-R-I-H underscore N-O-I-S-E. I mean, actually, you know, I mean, I don't want to... I knew this was going to happen, but the kind of COVID stuff kind of... I'll t- actually, I'll tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. I went to... Um, right at the beginning of the COVID... Um, like I, I went to the States in like, uh, December, 2019 for a mm-hmm. month. Right. That's when we recorded the, the thing with Joseph and John. Yeah. And then I flew directly to Osaka and I stayed two months in Osaka, Japan. Wow. And then I came back to see, to notice that there's like COVID everywhere. Or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like weird. I was like the first person in Paris to wear a mask you know? <laughs> and, uh, 
people in the in the plane in the airport were looking at me like weird. What the fuck's wrong with you? And then you know, <laughs> a couple of weeks later, everybody's wearing a mask. Yeah. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, you just the traveling pre the traveling you did before COVID and how that affected something maybe. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the fact that um, the fact of being in like lockdown and stuff. Oh no, I, I know what it was. Yeah, so I went to Japan and um, I saw a fortune teller. Like I'm not a huge mm -hmm. believer in all that stuff, but you know it's interesting. Mm -hmm. To like Ishikiri in Osaka, which is like mm -hmm. it's like up up in the mountains, and there's a whole street that's just fortune tellers. And mm. there was this really witchy old lady with like way too much makeup, like really mm -hmm. scary looking. And I was like, okay, I want to go and ask her what she thinks. I should, mm -hmm. what she thinks about me. Mm -hmm. And she told me that I've done so many things in my life that I have the right to just chill out and, mm -hmm. you know, relax, like rest on your laurels kind of thing. I was uh -huh. like, yeah. And I took that a bit too literally. So I really. <laughs> It didn't do much for for like a year and a half or something. Sure. You know? And now I feel like I'm just getting back into it. So yeah, good. Yeah, but it, you know, it's like it's easy to fall into a hole, but it's harder to kind of crawl out of it. You know? uh, yeah, always. It's yeah, yeah, it is. But but I think that's that's exciting for us to know. And I I know you've been I know you've been pretty active lately and i've seen stuff starting to to pop yeah. up so so um yeah. what would you like to let the folks out there know about what you have going on in the near future uh well there's the there's like some kind of box set on new forces of like reissues i'm not mm -hmm. sure how many not sure how many cds it's going to be but mm -hmm. we talked about i don't know five or six cool. like maybe more i don't know super i have to um well, remaster them mm -hmm. and then send them over. Cool. Uh, what else? Yeah, there's a, like we said about uh, Dan and Eric's mm -hmm. label, there's a CD there, and uh, or an LP, actually, I think. Oh. And uh, there's something on uh, um, a French label called Eratum. You know mm -hmm. Eratum? It's a Joachim Montesquieu's label. It's mostly releases like sound poetry and stuff like that but he really wants to do an l well it's an lp that i already recorded mm -hmm. but i might mess around with it a bit before before mm -hmm. it comes out cool it's been a while since i listened to it good uh there's a, probably a few other things that i've forgotten about as well but um yeah <laughs> yeah cool that's exciting so i'm i'm busy uh, good um Anything else you'd like to add before we before we sign off? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like your, I like your channel and uh, <laughs> keep up the good work. And no, it's cool. I, I've enjoyed. I've listened to a few of them. I listened to the Vomia one. I liked very much. And yeah, it was really great talking to you. It was super fascinating to hear about what you do. I I learned a ton. And it was really nice to see the man behind the work. 
really appreciate it. Yeah, all right. And uh, take care and talk to you soon. Yeah, all right. See you. Thanks again for tuning into White Sampy Noise Podcast. Head over to the Patreon for more. Your support is extremely appreciated and vital to keep the show going.